This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. On November the 8th, 2016, something happened. It was a day filled with mixed emotions. Some people were excited. Some people were shocked, others were terrified, and still others were confused. You see, if you don't remember, November the 8th, 2016 was the date Donald Trump was elected President of the United States. Why the mixed emotions? Because Mr. Trump was elected into this position of immense human power and influence. And whatever your personal thoughts or opinions are about Mr. Trump, it doesn't change the fact that he is the president. He's the leader of one of the most powerful nations on the planet. Ruling, reigning, so to speak. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm 97. We've been looking at a bunch of the Psalms this summer so far in this series. And Psalm 97... We're going to read the whole psalm. It's called a kingship psalm. It's a song that seeks to remind God's people that whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're listening to, the reality is it's actually the Lord who reigns. It's actually the Lord who is sovereign and ruling over all things. And so my hope and my goal this morning is that we would understand this in a fresh way, that the Lord truly reigns, regardless of what we see, regardless of what we experience, that it's the Lord that truly reigns, and that understanding that would produce a joy within each one of us, a joy for all of God's people. So let's read Psalm 97, starting at verse 1, and it says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the people see his glory. All worshippers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. See, Psalm 97 begins with this simple statement, The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. And let the earth rejoice. He's saying this is good news. Writing to Israel, this is good news. It's good news that the Lord reigns. Why? Because He's better at reigning than anybody else. What does it mean to reign? It means to rule, to manage, to be in control over. Right? He's better at doing this than anybody else. He's definitely better at it than me. I mean, if you know me, you know I have a hard time just keeping my office tidy, let alone trying to rule over the earth. 
Okay? He's better at doing it than anybody else. But it's also a call to rejoice because it's hearkening back to say, guys, remember, it's actually the Lord that's in charge. Not Donald Trump. Not Justin Trudeau. Not Vladimir Putin. Not the United Nations or anyone else. God is actually in control. And sometimes you'll see that God is in control. Don't worry, God's in control. And we think it's trite. We think it's cliche. It's not. God is actually in control. And we're going to see in Psalm 97 that there are reasons why we should rejoice that the Lord is in control. My hope is that we're going to look at four reasons this morning. The first reason is because the Lord's reign is right and just. The Lord's reign is right and just. Verse 2 says, Clouds and thick darkness are all around Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Now this whole idea of clouds and thick darkness, it kind of conveys this mystery of God's majesty. Like, what's going on here? It's meant to take Israel back, as so many of the Psalms do, back to Mount Sinai, Moses, the Ten Commandments, where God descended on the mountain in clouds and thick darkness, and it was terrifying. They said, Moses, you go up. It's too scary. We can't handle it. It was terrifying. And it's meant to say, remember who we're dealing with. The Lord reigns. Who is the Lord? He is the God. He's the creator of everything, the ruler of all things. Let's just remember that. Right? He's awesome in might. He's awesome in power. And He's full of glory. This is who we're talking about. And though it's mysterious and kind of some scary images of clouds and thick darkness, what's going on? When you see clouds, when you see thick darkness, you're you're often in a wonder and you might think, okay, so there's this God who's ruling in clouds and thick darkness. What kind of God is He? How does this God rule? How does He reign? Because power can be a dangerous thing. We know this. Often we see how power is abused. Power corrupts. And we see injustice all over the place in all of our human leaders. In fact, it's all we ever seem to see. Because everybody is stained by sin. Even the ones that seem to be good, there's still some element of corruption. But he says, listen, the foundation of his throne, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. God sits on this throne of righteousness and justice. This mysterious majesty in the clouds and the thick darkness, don't worry, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Everything about His reign flows out from righteousness and justice. So He can't be bribed. He can't be bought out. He can't be tricked. He is completely committed to always doing the right thing. So rejoice, O earth, Forrest Gump has famously said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Quite honestly, that quote rings true with regards to our human rulers and our judges. We never really know what we're going to get. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not so good, and all these things happen. And maybe even they act justly or rightly for a while, but then uh, we never really know. But praise the Lord, we never have to wonder with Him. It's not a box of chocolates with God. We know He is always righteous. He is always just. It's the foundation of His throne, the foundation of His reign. And I think that should be really encouraging for us. That even though we don't understand all of the complexities and all the mysteries of of how He rules and reigns, 
Why is he doing it this way right now? I'm not quite sure. We can take heart because we know that his throne rests on righteousness and justice and that the judge of all the earth will do the right thing. You see, a knowledge that God reigns produces confidence in his people in the midst of chaos. I love Psalm 97 because it helps remind me. It helps prevent me from getting rattled. Anybody get rattled easily? Any hands up? People get rattled? Just admit it. There's some, yeah, people get rattled. Thank you for admitting it. I love it. Thank you. It's good because I get rattled. But it, Psalm 97 reminds me God never gets rattled. He's always in control. Nothing ever surprises him or catches him off guard. And so when a ruler is elected that I may or may not enjoy or like, do I then doubt the rule of God and doubt his power and doubt his reign? We might be tempted to, but no. Listen to Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. The king's heart is a stream of water. A stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So, what this means, God decides, God decides who rules where, when, and for how long. And he uses that ruler to accomplish his purposes, like a stream, guiding that king, that ruler, that president's heart for his purposes. And his purposes are always right, always just, and they always bring him glory. They may not be what we like in the moment, but who are we to give counsel to God? He knows what he's doing. God's ways are best. In the end, we will all agree to that one day. But right now, we're like, I don't know. But his ways are best. They're always right. They're always just. But then there's this, there's this group of people on the planet who directly oppose God and his rule and his reign. People who actively pursue wickedness. People who actively try to make a mess of things. And they seem to be succeeding. They seem to be prospering. And if you were here last week, we heard about in Psalm 73, this apparent success of the wicked. And it can, be, it can get us discouraged or it can get us jealous. Well, they don't even care about God. And yet, look at how easy their life is. Look how much money. That, they have no care in the world. What's going on here? They're, they're clearly enemies of God. Why are they succeeding? And it can get us frustrated. I thought God reigned over, the, over everything. What's going on? Why is he allowing this? So what we're going to see in verses 3 to 5 of Psalm 97 is another reason that we can rejoice in the Lord's reign is because the Lord reigns over His enemies. The Lord actually does reign over His enemies. Look at verse 3 to 5 again. It says, Fire goes before Him and burns up His adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. It's kind of a terrifying summary, actually. Fire coming and burning everything up, and then there's lightning, and then mountains are melting away. What it's saying is, remember God's awesome power, and remember that he, can, he is able to completely do away with any and all opposition against Him. And this image of fire and lightning, it's meant to convey fear. It's meant to kind of scare you. Why? Because fire and lightning are impossible for us to control. One little spark, and then we have the BC wildfires. Out of control. Lightning. I mean, 
we can predict when a storm is probably going to come, and we can say it's, there's probably going to be thunder and lightning in this one. But we still can't predict where the lightning is going to strike and when exactly. But it says that they are His lightnings. God knows where every single bolt of lightning has struck on earth, and He knows where every single bolt of lightning will ever strike on earth. They're His. He rules over the fire, rules over the lightning. What all this to say is that He also knows about the wicked. He also knows what they're doing. Don't think like, God, don't you see? Don't you know? He knows. He knows where every single bolt of lightning is going. He knows where every single enemy of God, what they're doing, what they're up to. He sees. He knows. And he knows what he's doing. He is reigning over the earth. And you know what? There's coming a day where where he will defeat, he will judge all of his enemies. The picture of mountains, it's supposed to make you think, what's the strongest thing that you can imagine, right, on earth? Mountains are supposed to be these immovable things that are majestic and wow, the foundation. And he's like, man, the mountains are nothing. They're nothing to God. God shows up in the mountains. That's not melting noise, but that's the best I can think of right now. The mountains melt away. They're terrified at the presence of the Lord, their maker. It's like, what mountains got nothing on God. Don't worry about it. So you think that God's enemies, that people, if mountains melt away from God, do you think that people are going to be able to stand against him? No. He will judge his enemies. He's the Lord, the creator of all the mountains and of everything. And as we learned this past week at Surge Camp, that Jesus is this God. Jesus is the one true God who rules and has created everything. We said this verse over and over and over again with the campers. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Just to help us get a picture of who Jesus is. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. This is Jesus. This is who we're serving. The creator of everything, the ruler of everything. And you know what? That includes ruling over the enemies. And one day He's going to come and He's going to judge these enemies. He's going to come one day. He's going to make everything right. Growing up, Sunday school classes, you usually see pictures of Jesus and he's kind of huddled around the children and he's smiling and everything's kind of nice. This is kind of the image that I had growing up with Jesus as a kid. Oh, he's loving and he's gentle and he's compassionate. Absolutely, he is. But the Bible also portrays Jesus as a divine warrior and conquering king. And when he's coming, and he's coming back, And he's going to establish righteous rule on the earth and all of his enemies will be defeated. So Psalm 97 is saying, take heart, people of God. They may seem like they're succeeding right now, but Jesus is coming. They will be defeated. It's meant to give some joy. It's meant, oh, but, 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 no. They will be defeated. Jesus will win. He will fully and finally defeat all of his adversaries. But this is where Jesus is really amazing. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, what we need to understand is that all of us were born sinful enemies of God. And yet in his great love, 
He comes and he sends Jesus to rescue us, to forgive us, to die on the cross in our place, to remove our sin, and to actually welcome us into this family so that we can go from being his enemies to being his beloved children. Who else do you know that says, takes enemies and says, I'm going to invite you in to actually become my family now so that I don't have to annihilate you? Jesus does that. Now sadly, there are many who have heard this and who still continue to mock the Lord and the only way of salvation, and they remain God's enemies. Revelation 20 is pretty clear. They're going to be judged. They're going to tremble. They're going to lose. And they will suffer eternally for their rebellion against God. And as we move on to verses 6 to 9, we see not only does the Lord reign over his enemies, but the Lord reigns over idols as well. The Lord reigns over idols. Verse 6 says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Verse 7, All worshippers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. We get glimpses of the glory of the Lord presently, but one day we're going to see it fully and finally displayed. And when that day happens, all the worshippers of idols are going to be put to shame. Why are they going to be put to shame at that time? Because all these idols, these images, these lowercase gods that people worship, they're going to be found to be fake on that day. They're going to be found to be powerless. They're going to be found to be worthless because the glory of God is going to be fully revealed in Jesus Christ. He's going to come. Every every eye will see, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the Father. And they will see, this idol is worthless. This idol has put me to shame. I've spent my time, my life, my energy worshiping this thing that can't save, that can't deliver, and can't satisfy. All worshipers of idols are put to shame. And yet, even when we read something like this, idol worship has been something that has constantly plagued the people of God. It's still a struggle for all of us today, if we're honest. We may not actually have as much... um, bowing down to carved figures or things in our houses, but we bow down and worship all sorts of things. Things that always lead us astray from the Lord and can never satisfy, whether that's our career pursuits, whether that's our education, it could be our our actual house and the possessions that we have, or it could be fashion, it could be our societal status, it could be sex, it could be sports, it could be TV, it could just be the pursuit of pleasure in general. Video games, social media popularity, money, i got to have more money. could be pursuing the easy life. It can even be our family. Our family can become an idol, this thing that we just worship and we put everything into other than God. So we have to take a, a step back and examine our hearts, examine our lives regularly to make sure that there's nothing and there's no one getting into the right place of God who is alone to be worshipped. It's easy to do. And quite honestly, I struggle. It's a repeat, repeated trap. I fall into it again. Oh, man, I, was, I, I started worshiping something that's... Oh, uh, and, oh, I did it again. I'm supposed to only worship God. I'm supposed to only worship God. Usually for me, it's things that aren't necessarily evil, but are attractive to me. So growing up, there was two things. There was hockey and Star Wars. Seriously. 
Not bad things necessarily. You've got the greatest sport in the world. You've got some of the greatest movies ever made, except for the prequels. Don't worry about that. But when those things take the rightful place of God in my life and they take my focus away from God, then they become idols. They become what my life is about. Things that can't deliver, can't satisfy, ultimately would put me to shame. You put your whole trust in hockey. Well, guess what? Right? It's not going to satisfy. They need to be put back in their proper place or even removed or even destroyed. So I remember... In grade 12, wrestling with this, I was in, in my mind, I was like, okay, do I love hockey more than I love Jesus? Straight up, I was on, and I wrestled with it. And I was like, okay, if I had to choose today to serve hockey or to serve Jesus, what would I do? And I didn't know. That's where I was at. I knew the answer. Oh yeah, Jesus. But... I loved hockey so much. And so maybe you have the same battle today. Maybe it's not hockey. Maybe it is. Maybe it's something. Whatever it is. Blank and Jesus. What do I love more? What do I love more? Thankfully, the Lord, by His grace, using His Spirit, He began to show me, bit by bit, that Jesus is actually greater than hockey. And in fact, Jesus is greater than anything or anyone else. And if you commit to seek Him and ask Him, say, Jesus, show me. Show me Your glory. Show me Your greatness. He will answer that prayer. And He will, bit by bit, show you that He is greater than whatever else might be competing for His attention. He will show you. I encourage you, ask Him to do that. Back to verse 7. I think let's find it really interesting. It says, All worshippers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. But then it says, Worship Him, all you gods. So there's this declaration. You guys who worship idols, you're going to be put to shame. But then there's also this exhortation to worship the one true God. I think there's a really interesting example of the compassion of the Lord being demonstrated here. He's not just saying, oh, you worship the wrong thing. Too bad for you. You're going to get it. He's saying, ditch those worthless idols and come and find true hope. Come and find true life. Come and find salvation and joy and satisfaction in the Lord and join the people of God who know the truth. It's an invitation. It's not just condemnation, which is amazing. Come and find the truth. In verses 8 to 9, these people, there's these faithful ones that they already know the truth, right? Zion, that's another word for Jerusalem hears and is glad. The daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. There's this group of people who already know this. They already know that the idols are worthless and they're faithfully serving the Lord. They know He's the one true God that reigns over everything. He's most high, be exalted above everybody else. So part of the joy of being the people of God and knowing that the Lord reigns comes from faithfully serving Him. Part of the joy. Knowing. You know. Maybe you've tried these other things, but now you know that God is truly the only one. That all these other idols are worthless and powerless. Part of that joy comes from being faithful and knowing that one day God's going to come. He's going to reveal Himself. He's going to show up in all of His glory. And everyone who has been faithful to Him is also going to be rewarded for that faithfulness. Those that turn from sin, those who deny themselves, that worshiped Him alone, they're going to be rewarded for that. That day of reward is coming. Jesus is coming. He's going to reward the faithful saints. So endure faithfully. 
And as the psalm moves to a close, one more reason to rejoice in the Lord's reign emerges. Verses 10 to 12 encourage us to rejoice because the Lord reigns among His people. The Lord reigns in and among His people. Verse 10, He says, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of His saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Verse 10 is a clear reminder for the people of God to persevere. You know, for us, it's like, okay, church, don't give up. And don't give in. Don't give in to the world. Don't give in to the worship of idols, all the false gods. Cling to Jesus. He won't let you down. It's going to be worth it. That's what he's saying in Psalm 97. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the lives of His saints. He knows who you are. You love Him. You trust Him. He knows who you are. He's going to preserve you. You're going to make it. He's going to deliver you from the hand of the wicked. It may not seem like it right now, but we've got to think of a full and final view. Right? I mean, we, things might seem be really tough for us right now. Things might be even terrible for us right now. And they might even get worse in our circumstances as more and more believers are persecuted and tortured and mistreated. They're put in prison. They're even killed all over the world. So we say, how are you delivering from the hand of the wicked? Remember, full and final view. Psalm 97 is all about the full and final victory of God. God is going to deliver His people from the wicked. There's going to be an eternal reward. Remember, we don't live for just this life only. We have an eternity that we look forward to. He says, I'm going to deliver my people. I'm going to rescue them. They're going to be with me for everlasting to everlasting. That's going to happen. Psalm 97 focuses on that and assures the faithful saints of His final victory. So be encouraged. Have joy. Final victory is coming. It's kind of this beautiful reminder of a really simple but profound truth that we need to hear again and again that I need to hear again and again. Ready for the simple truth? God rules and God wins. God rules, He's reigning right now, and and, and He wins. And so the invitation is, join the winning team. Don't worship all these other things. Join the winning team. Join the winning team. He rules and He wins. One other note on the Lord reigning in and among His people. When someone puts their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and they receive salvation, the Holy Spirit of God begins to dwell within them. They're born again. They're made new. They now are granted a new heart with new desires. Which is why verse 10 says, Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. The Spirit of God actually does that work in us to increase our love for God and to increase our hate for sin. We begin more and more to love the things of God. We begin to more and more find joy in the things of God. And we begin to more and more hate the things of evil and sin in the world. This is how He works in us, by the Spirit of God. And another amazing thing the Lord reigns in and among us is that He uses circumstances and people, and big global events, and local events, He uses circumstances to make us more like Jesus. He uses things to make us more like Jesus. Listen to Romans 8, 28 and 29. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined for what? What, This is the answer of the good. What does it mean for good? To be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. The Lord is using everything that happens to you to make you more like Jesus. It's not random. It's not accidents. And if we have this this view, we put this filter on, if we get the Romans 8, 28, 29 filter on, we can understand and appreciate, oh, this is happening. All of a sudden, I'm like, what are you doing, God? This and that. And it's like, I, I told you what I'm doing. I'm doing things in your life, in your town, in your community, in your nation, in the world, to make you more like my son. It's a process of sanctification. Big, fancy word. Being made more holy. Being made more like Jesus. That's what he's doing in us and among us as we seek Him, as we obey Him. Verse 12 of Psalm 97, it's kind of this bookend with verse 1. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Give thanks to His holy name. Where verse 1 says, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. It's this joy and joy is meant to, to bookend this song. Why rejoice? Why give thanks? Because the Lord reigns. I don't know how many times I've said it. Lots. You're probably like, okay, tell the Lord reigns. That's the cause for joy. We need to let that truth get deeper and deeper into our souls, into our minds, into our hearts. Like I said before, it's not trite. It's not cliche. Sometimes we can use it in a, a little cliche way, but it's actually true. The Lord reigns. Jesus is in control. He knows what He's doing And that's to give us some comfort, it's to give us peace, and it's to give us joy. Because man, in the moment, it feels like, what is going on sometimes? This doesn't make sense to me at all. And and God's up there on His throne, founded by righteousness and justice, says, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm making you like my son. I'm making you like my son. I know what I'm doing. November 8th. 2016 rattled a lot of people. But you know what? There's going to be more days like that that are going to come. There there are going to be more government changes. There's going to be more wars, more famines and difficulties, more things that we're going to see on the news that are going to be trending. What is going on? And they're going to threaten to shake us. They're going to threaten to steal our joy. They're going to threaten to steal our confidence in the Lord. But what Psalm 97 is calling each and every one of us to is to hold on to the truth in the midst of all of that stuff. It seems like things are spiraling out of control and nothing makes sense. Psalm 97 says, Take heart, believer. There's one who's actually holding everything together perfectly. One, there's one who rules with complete righteousness and complete justice. There's one, there's one who knows what he's doing, whose ways are best. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's ruling and he's reigning. So let's take heart and let's rejoice at his reign. Let's pray together. Father God, we... We confess this morning that it's so easy for us 
to get rattled, to get confused, to get discouraged, to, see, to focus on circumstances, to wonder and to doubt. Lord, as we've heard this morning, You are reigning over all things. We may not always like what's happening, but You have told us that You are in charge. And that, that is good news. You know what you're doing. I pray, Lord, for each one of us this morning. Many of us are probably in the midst of a storm or a trial in our life that we would rather not be in. I pray for each one of us that we would, again, heed the words of Romans 8, 28, and 29. It's not random. It's not accident. You are using things in our lives to conform us to the image of Your Son, to to help us to grow in patience and in love and in compassion and faithfulness and in mercy and so many things and self-control. Help us to, to regain that view of our circumstances and help us to remember that at the end of the day, no matter what government we're under, no matter what's happening all over the world, God, you are in charge. You are in control. You are reigning. You are reigning well. And one day, we will fully and finally experience that rule and reign. And all of your enemies will be defeated. And your saints will be rewarded by the very presence of God. Jesus, we look forward to that day. Would you come and hasten that day that we might be with you fully and finally for all eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.